You're listening to Below the Radar, a knowledge mobilization project recorded out of 312 Maine. This podcast is produced by SFU's Van City Office of Community Engagement. Below the Radar brings forward ideas to encourage meaningful exchanges across communities. Each episode, we interview guests on topics ranging from environmental and social justice, arts, culture, community building, and urban issues. This podcast is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Hello, this is Maria Cecilia Saba, and today's episode features myself and Melissa Roach in conversation with Madeline Shaw. Known for her revolutionary way of normalizing menstruation, Madeline discusses everything from her early days co-founding Lunapat to her newest creative projects, including G-Day and Nestworks, a soon-to-launch work-friendly family space. Yeah, so thank you for coming. Uh, Madeline, you're a social entrepreneur and you're the founder of Lunapads and I don't have to tell you this, you know, <laughs> co-founder of G-Day. So I want to ask you about those exciting projects. Um, when you and I met uh, in the hall earlier, we were talking about the kind of moment we're in uh, that feels to me like the, the period revolution, like a lot of things are happening right now and it's really exciting. And I kind of look at Lunapads as like one of the OG players in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was hoping you could share with us how that started and uh, how you're feeling about it now. Totally. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, actually, to clarify quickly one thing, I'm the co-founder of Lunapaz, so, yeah. along with uh, my business partner, Suzanne Siemens, and who today is the CEO of Lunapaz. And so just for anybody who doesn't already know this, I actually retired from my position at Lunapaz as creative director at the end of 2017. And I've since moved on to a couple of new projects, but I'm still very much in love with that company and all mm-hmm. the people and everything it does and, and involved in um, some specific ways uh, even now, but just so people know that. And thanks for saying the OG thing, <laughs> that's a compliment. Um, yeah, I mean, I started making, uh, experimenting with reusable menstrual products in the early 90s um, in response to just problems I was having using them. Honestly, mm-hmm. I was just getting rashes and infections and they were just uncomfortable and I just hated how wasteful they were because my period isn't really a big deal anyways and so I was just using all these products that were making me kind of feel gross and then throwing them away and and I was like this is just so absurd and I guess by that point I was already pretty woken up as a feminist and um but I'd never put my feminist lens on the issue of menstrual products or what were then known as feminine hygiene products (laughs) which is one of my least favorite choices of names um So, uh, yeah, a few things kind of happened at the same time. I actually stopped using birth control, hormonal birth control around the same time. So I was in my mid-20s. And and just the whole, like, just connection with my body really shifted. Like, so when I started using reusables, so doing this totally taboo thing of actually touching my menzies and washing the pads and underwear and... And whatever, but in a real spirit of curiosity, like, just like, what is this like? Like, it... And because back then, it was not... I mean, it really wasn't... It was 25 years ago. It wasn't all that long ago, but... um, it was, I knew what I was doing was kind of revolutionary. Like it was sort of taboo. Like it was Mm -hmm. really kind of like, you don't touch your period. Are you kidding me? Like (laughs) this is why we use reusable products. So you don't have to do that. And, and, but just really unpacking how the, the language of the products and how the, what's in the products. And when I say the products, I mean, mainstream disposable, um, 
you know, the always that Hampak so on um, of this world and just really unpacking how disrespectful they are around, you know, just the language of, of something being sanitary or hygienic, of course, you know, implies that what you're doing, or what you've got going on in your body is, is unsanitary and unhygienic. Um, so kind of insulting and, um, and the volume of the waste problem and, and stuff. But more than anything, what changed for me was like, I, I got that, like my, my left brain got all of the data on that. But, um, when I actually started the practice of washing the pads, um, and period underwear, which I was making in 1993, by the way, it's not a new thing. Um, and it just shifted my, my relationship with my body somehow, like, and it just opened me up like this thing, this actually matters, like having your period matters and being with it in a gentle, kind, respectful way is sends a whole other message to your body than using the disposables. And that's kind of hard to explain to people like, but I sort of had this almost spiritual moment of going, Oh my God, like this really is connected to the, the larger natural cycles, like the, the lunar cycle and the seasons and even a day, like this natural rhythm of life. Like, you know, if you have a menstrual cycle, you are connected to that in this really, really deep, primal, amazing, mysterious, profound way. And I didn't get that until I stopped using disposables, started using reusables and just, it gave me this really profound shift in consciousness. And that was at the point that I decided to, to commercialize the products because it was like, I want people who menstruate to be able to experience this if it's, if they can and they want to. Yeah. And as a young woman today, like we totally stand on the shoulders of you and the women who've worked to make all those things fairly accessible. Like now you can go online and buy your reusable pads and oh, your can you ever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I mean, right now in terms of the current climate, I'm, I look to people like Jennifer Weiss Wolf and, you know, who coined the whole menstrual equity, um, terminology down in the States and, you know, getting uh, tampon tax, so-called, you know, just all of the, this, uh, state taxes that are imposed on, um, menstrual products taken off state after state after state and really bringing this issue, um, to the, you know, the public attention in a really, really wonderful way. And there've been some really great new innovators and marketers in the product space that have elevated the conversation there. And now of course we've got Academy Awards basically being awarded <laughs> to menstruation in general, as far as I'm concerned, or if you looked at my Facebook feed the yeah. morning after, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's the time has come for that conversation to be had. And, and I'm really happy just to have been someone who was part of getting it to where it is now. And, um, but in terms of my, my daily practice, it's like, I, I will always love that issue and I, I care about it, but I've also kind of moved on in recent years to, um, start thinking about other things and just kind of, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like for me, it's, it's like entrepreneurship is kind of an act of creativity. So it's like, if you were an artist, like you would want to paint more than one painting, right? Or you were a filmmaker, you'd want to make more than one film. And so in my case, I just kind of kept having these, these big creative downloads is what I call them in terms of creating new enterprises and stuff. And so I've, I've moved on to work on that. Yeah. G day is one example, which is such a huge big idea that looks like so much fun. <laughs> I was watching videos of uh, kids dancing around and smiling and laughing and uh, I got some like retroactive jealousy. Like I wish a 10 year old Melissa could have been. Oh, totally. <laughs> there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask you, like, um, I know you've spoken before about a little bit, like, how you were inspired to to create G-Day, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the story. Um, I believe there's a red tent involved as well there in the inception. There is a red tent involved <laughs> in the story. So, so, yeah, so G-Day, for listeners who are not familiar with it, is... Uh, a series of day-long events that to date have occurred in six cities in Canada 10 times since 2014. And we gather, it's it's for tween girls, so um, female-identified youth uh, between the ages of 10 and 12, and uh, their parents or ad- other adult caregivers in their lives. And so it doesn't need to be a biological parent. It could be a step-parent, it could be a grandparent or a foster parent or a social worker or teacher anyways the idea is that um we it's a rite of passage so in the same way that we have weddings and funerals and baby showers when we socially take the time as groups to acknowledge uh, moments of social transition that are really significant in people's lives so what we're doing in the case of g-day is acknowledging the transition between childhood and adolescence Mm -hmm. um so which is why we isolate the sort of age 10 to 12 so they're not there's they're not really children anymore but they're also not really teenagers yet either so they're there in this funny tween um, world, um, which actually is a very, very rich time in life where there's a ton of transformation happening um, or about to happen. And so G-Day is there to provide um, a community-based container of support for them that is basically you walk into a room with you know two, 250 people who are there just to tell you that you matter. <laughs> and it's, it even still now makes me a bit emotional thinking about it, but it, it all started... Um, for me in 20, I started thinking about it in 2013 and I was invited to do a Pecha Kucho night presentation here in Vancouver. And, mm-hmm. uh, but the question they asked me, and normally I talk about at that point, it was all about Luna pads, right? And, mm-hmm. and but the question I was asked was how would I change a city if I could? And I just didn't quite know what to say. And, but then I thought about it and actually a memory came back to me from being that 10, 11, 12 age, I'd read a book called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, the classic mm-hmm. um, book. And anyways, I just loved that book so much when I was a kid. It meant so much to me. And um, it's a story of a girl in the eastern United or sort of midwestern United States. And uh, her experience of, it's kind of, it's about her spirituality, but it's also about puberty and just her body changing and how she anticipated that. And the devices she has to use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the little clubs yeah. with her friends and her, like, there's so many things about mm-hmm. it that were just so special. And, and I remember at the time feeling like very much a sense of empathy with her and her friends because they so anticipated like this notion for them because it was, that was their gender identity as it was for me, this notion of becoming a woman, um, was this really amazing thing and and they were so excited about it and so curious about it and I totally felt that way too and I was like how am I gonna how is this transformation gonna happen to me like I can't even imagine it and even though I had all the data you know from a biological you know puberty la 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 details like I knew what was gonna happen and I you know but it was more a feeling of kind of magic and specialness that I was really craving um, and I wasn't part of any cultural tradition, like in the Jewish tradition, they have a bat mitzvah and they, you know, there's various other cultures around the world that celebrate this transition or, or menarche. And, and in my case, there just was nothing. And, and so the dream of it, like the craving of it went away, um, because it didn't happen. But then I came back it, weirdly when I was asked to speak about this way that I would change the city. And I had this, I read the red tent by Anita Diamant, um, 
Maria, that you mentioned. And, and I was inspired by this idea of there being rites of passage, of there being like these adult women kind of helping shepherding girls into this phase of life. And so, um, so as for my presentation at Pachacucha night, I basically said I would have like a modern red tent, like I would have a place and a time where we could bring our daughters and just have this thing that I wanted when I was a kid. And I talked about Margaret and I talked about, I talked about powder rooms actually, which is kind of an interesting use of space, right? They used to be kind of a female coded space back in the day. Um, anyways. And so I was just musing about like, where are the female coded spaces and where are the rituals and, and why don't we do that anymore? And anyways, after that night, um, to me now, like, if anybody out there has any ideas that they're kind of sitting on and they're not really sure, like just go and tell someone, like just say it out loud, <laughs> seriously, because it makes a difference. And um, one thing led to another and I met an event planner who was there later and somebody else who offered to fund it. And, you know, people just really, there's something about the idea that resonated for yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And so on April 28th, 2014, we had the first one and in Vancouver and 250 girls came. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Like, clearly this has struck a chord emotionally, um, more for the parents of the girls, like the girls themselves, they just, it is true. The girls just want to have fun. Like yeah. they just want to dance <laughs> and they want to play with each other and they want to do stuff. And, yeah. but really the day is sort of about that. Like it's about just giving them the opportunity to be themselves and they're not being assessed and they're not being judged. And, um, but we just take them through a whole bunch of different experiences and stories. It's G day's very story based. There's nothing that's prescriptive about it in any way. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was very successful actually. And, um, what was interesting to me at the end of it is that so many parents came to us afterwards and said, well, we want to be part of this too. And I was like, oh, of course they do because they never had this. Mm -hmm. And this is an opportunity to, to witness their daughters, but also to kind of bond as adult caregivers, like who are raising these girls, like, and so we started iterating from there and we had the second G day, uh, just even six months later at the chance center UBC and we invited parents and then we've always had parents, uh, we've called them champions, um, at every G day since then. And then it just kind of spread. I, somebody reached out to me from Toronto and she was this amazing leader there and she wanted to do it. And I was like, sure, why not? Why not? Why wouldn't we? And that's incredible. Yeah. yeah so it's kind of gone on and on. And today, um, it's a registered charity and uh, we've got an event. Our next one in Vancouver, well, actually it's in Burnaby, <laughs> is on April the 29th. That's Monday, April the 29th. And that's a pro D day in uh, Vancouver, Burnaby, and I believe Surrey School Districts as well. And we're going to be putting tickets on sale hopefully at the end of this week, maybe next week. I don't know. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, I was wondering, like, what does a what does a regular day at G Day look like? Like, what kind of um, how does it how do the kids interact with the mentors? And I, I know that it's very story story based. And yeah, yeah, yeah so. that's a great question. And so, so when we speak about rites of passage, which mm -hmm. is to say, these kind of special events where um, there's this kind of intentional focus on one group and their transition. Um, historically, there are three parts to rites of passage. They don't all always look like this, but there's sort of enough of a common um, pattern of um, where the beginning you sort of gather as the, the larger group, or we think of it as a village, like a proverbial kind of village that it takes to raise a child. And so that that's to say the adults and the girls together. And we, in a crowd of, say, 200 people, which is typically you'll get 200 to 300 people who come to G-Day. Um, 
we gather them in smaller groups, like groups of 10 within, so you don't feel like you're just in the sea of 200 people, like you're actually with a smaller, a little mini community that you have. Um, we have facilitated conversations that occur. So somebody isn't just listening to someone at the front of the room, like you're actually having a conversation with the people you're sitting with. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to um, build trust in an inter- intergenerational kind of sense so that even if you're a girl and you don't know the adult who's sitting next to you, you're going to have a conversation with them about something meaningful. So often the adults will share things that they wish that they had known, you know, when they were that age and, or the girls, you know, talk about, you know, something that scares them or a challenge they're having. And anyways, there's just this kind of cool conversation that helps you get to know people that you didn't maybe know before. Like you might come with your friend or your parent, but it's the idea is that we're building this sort of sense of a container of trust that is beyond the family unit. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and so we're together and maybe there's some music, maybe there's some singing um, and discussion and just sort of trying to create this sense of connection and occasion. And and then after that, we separate the two groups. So that's, again, as a, a classic thing in rites of passage, that there is a sense of either separation or challenge that occurs in the middle. So this is the part where you're literally becoming or figuratively becoming a different person. Like, so you're separated from that group. You're not with your parents anymore. And so the girls are together. And the idea with that is, is to connect the girls to one another and kind of create a sense of sisterhood and bonding amongst them and that's why we want their ages to be really similar too because they can really feel like this this girl's going through what I'm going through and you know we might look different we might be from different places but um it really is about the age and this really trying to isolate that and so we at that point we take them through they really like moving so we'll we've done like martial arts and self-defense and yoga and just different stuff like that so they're just like literally being together Mm -hmm. in a good way. Um, we have people come in and tell them stories, um, typically around resilience and overcoming adversity, mm-hmm. uh, because they're all going to need to do that. And, <laughs> um, but the point is, it's not like these are five steps to overcoming adversity. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, this is a story of one person and some really amazing, uh, Melanie Mark, provincial minister, um, of education is, has been to G day and and basically tells the girls what life was like for her at that age, at their age, as opposed to, I'm this really big, important elected official. And this is my job. It's like, what happened to her? What was it like for her as an indigenous youth growing up, you know, in the lower mainland? And I think she went to like six different high schools in five years and, you know, super challenged in her family and all these things. And so sharing it with the girls, um, in a really deeply personal way. So those are the types of things that we do with the girls. Sometimes there's like a creative activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else? And then of course there's this coming back together, right? So at the end, that's just the third part. So meanwhile, the parents have been off, um, their kind of trajectory is a little more pragmatic. Like we're teaching them. They usually hear from parenting experts about ways to support girls at this age. So whether that's around things like media literacy or dealing with social media or, um, communications, relationships, leadership. Um, yeah, just a million things. Like it's more skill-based. Yeah, so it's the kinds yeah. of things that a parent would want to know to help support their kid. And But we also take the parents on kind of regressive meditation where they, they do an exercise where they go and they re-meet their inner girl. It's just really wow. emotional yeah. and awesome. And then the parents prepare like a ceremony for um, the girls uh, with they're supported in doing that by a celebrant. So somebody who's an expert in rites of passage and just kind of like, how do you actually do that part of stuff? 
Um, and we've used a lot of different um, kind of different formula or expressions for the this closing reunion piece. And but it usually involves singing um, and some form of like a, a physical transition. So you literally are going from one place to another and being watched or kind of welcomed as as you do that. So you, you might have started the day symbolically as a child, but you're finishing it as an adolescent, uh, as an adolescent taking your first steps towards adulthood and being recognized and seen for doing that and celebrated for doing that. Uh, and so that happens. And then, uh, and then we have a dance party, (laughs) which is really fun. And then we eat, um, we usually eat some form of sugar. I think Cardam's Donuts is sponsoring (laughs) something this year, but we've had earnest ice cream and and just number, like we just sort of have a treat at the end and, and that's basically the day. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I love how the day is structured so that it mirrors that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, well, it's ancient, yeah. right? Like, and there, there's a yeah. real emotional arc that is important, and um, yeah, that expresses this idea of transition, and that you're literally moving from like the person who you showed up as in the morning is not the same as the person who leaves at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. yeah, one thing I was interested in when I was reading up was that sense of the community and village. Like, one thing um, that I read was about how to lift up your own children, but also other children. So, and then you mentioned the more skills-based training that the parents receive. So mm-hmm. my question is about uh, how does, how do the values and principles that the both caregivers and parents and girls learn carry forward uh, outside of G-Day? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I think um, how I think about that is that there's this, this idea of an emotional imprint that's made. And so the types of feelings that we're sort of trying to generate at G-Day are, have to do around trust and a sense of belonging. Um, one of our G-Day Victoria leaders called it a tangible uh, experience of mattering. Mm-hmm. So you sort of walk out feeling just like more people have your back okay. and see you and care about you, whether you're related to them or not, whether you've actually even met them or not, because the experience of sitting down with people who are previously strangers like let's say an adult tells you a story about this challenge that they overcame, you know, when what life was like for them when they were your age, it's like, oh yeah, I guess everybody was my age once and they had challenges to overcome and they had this weird thing that's happening to me right now where my life is changing, my body's changing. And so it just creates empathy and uh, which is super important. And, and so, yeah, just a heightened sense of trust and empathy is, are the really, really big ones. And this sort of sense that you're not alone that you're not the only person this is happening to. And um, which again, is speaks to this sort of concentrating at that age. So you really feel like, you know, the kid next to you is also having some struggles or also has some questions or whatever. And um, I would say those two things and also just joy, like the girls really, they honestly, they just want to have fun and they want to dance and they want to, you know, do cartwheels and stuff and, and just giving them the space to be themselves and to, for them to enjoy each other's company, because it's sort of like a big sleepover basically. And so just that energy alone is like, that isn't just frivolous. Like that's not a meaningless waste of time. Like that is actually creates this emotional imprint in their minds. Um, of this feeling of safety and connectedness and belonging that then for the rest of their lives, they will seek, like it kind of gives them a barometer, if you will, um, which helps them understand if they're in a situation that doesn't feel like that or how to find situations that do like that. They feel like that because they might not have felt seen and heard 
in a in a community context like that ever before in their lives if they're not part of some form of like a faith tradition or something or a cultural tradition that has given them that experience you know they're growing up in an urban environment mm-hmm. where they may not even know their neighbors right yeah you know and so their world is actually pretty small and so if they can be in a space where it's like wow you know 250 people came here today just because of me because of this like wow you know, it, it's a unique feeling. And so, but, and the way their minds are developing at that particular age, they're very susceptible to these emotional memories, um, which then we hope uh, serve as kind of a touchstone for them as they, you know, they're heading into their teenage years in this like hypersexualized turbo technology culture of social comparison and competition. And so what we're really hoping to do is like anchor them in this sense of like, people have seen my soul and my truest self and they valued me for that reason. And so when other stuff comes down the pipe that is maybe suggesting that they matter for other reasons Mm -hmm. that aren't true and aren't meaningful, they already know the truth of why they matter and they can feel it, you know, literally in their bones. Yeah. So so important to feel set up and prepared for those things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that we were talking about before, uh, you mentioned something about work-life balance. And I don't know if you're feeling like you want to talk about uh, going into adulthood in that way, like mm-hmm. kind of extending beyond the teenage years and how you carry that with you uh, as a woman in an office or out in the community doing what you do. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, I mean, really, so so many different life experiences change us. But for me, becoming a mother um was huge so I had my daughter when I was 35 and um no 37 and (laughs) anyways and at that point my business partner Suzanne already had a child who was about two um and then she would have go on to have another one so but it was our bit so this was Lunapads circa 2005 there were maybe half a dozen people working there and here we are having babies, and at the time there was no maternity leave benefits for business owners, and you know there was really, and as then as today, you know, really just absurdly limited choices when it comes to childcare and availability of childcare, and mm-hmm. uh, which is another topic I'd be happy to get into. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so we brought our kids to work with us. We like we literally brought our babies to work with us, and partly because we didn't have a choice, but partly because we wanted to, yeah. and. Um, and we could. And so it was kind of, again, one of these sort of radical experiences where you're not really sure what you're getting into. But um, and then you look around and realize, like, nobody does this, you know, and then you wonder why not? Like, why? Why the world is designed to basically separate work and life. And then everybody gets all stressed about work life balance and separate children from adults, too. Totally. <laughs> Attachment adult is such yeah. a huge issue. Right. And and it's ugh. anyway. So. What happened for me is that made a huge imprint on me um, to show me that this was possible. And then after that, I'd find myself telling other people um, about this great business idea that they should do, uh, which involved creating a family-friendly workplace. And so I would go because I was too busy with Luna Pads and, you know, G-Day and whatever I was doing. But if you want to start a business, let me tell you, I got one for you. And... um, so it's you got to pay attention to yourself. Like if you find yourself telling other people that they should do a certain <laughs> thing, like past like a good, you know, half a dozen times, like really you need to sort of, you know, pull out a mirror and um, get the picture. And so I guess it was by the time it was the end of 2016 was when I really gave myself um, 
the permission to actually like start working on the business plan in my mind uh, for what's now called Nestworks. And um, so Nestworks is a registered nonprofit society and we're working towards finding a space to create exactly what I described. So it's actually not even a family friendly workplace. We call it a work friendly family place. Amazing. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot too. It's like really re- like, like if we're going to go there, like let's yeah. really go there. And so, so yeah, so I've spent the last, so that ultimately, that was one of the reasons why I retired from Lunapads is because I realized with G-Day and with Lunapads, like I just didn't have any more time and kind of mental energy if I was seriously going to do this. And I turned 50 at the end of, uh, 2017. Yeah. So it was kind of like a 50th birthday present to myself too, just to go, okay, you, you want to have another baby, have another baby, (laughs) (laughs) um, metaphorically speaking anyways. And, um, so yeah, so I've been working on the business plan now for a year and a bit and a year and a half or so and really enjoying it so much. Um, just trying to understand like what the future of work-life balance can be mm-hmm. and just also understanding like how disconnected we are from one another and how hard it is. Like just even from a regulatory perspective, what I'm trying to do is kind of out there, but I'm not letting that stop me. And um and in the meantime, there's tons of uh, family-friendly co-working spaces that are opening up around the world and even in Canada yeah. and in the United States. And so I'm just um, seeing what's possible here in Vancouver and I uh, have a really great team working with me and just trying to, like, in a way, like, this is my, you know, everything that I've sort of learned in the last 25 years as an entrepreneur and, and the networks that I've built up and the social capital that I've built up and all those things, Um this is sort of a, like a legacy project to see if this is possible. And then my vision is that there actually would be several locations. So it wouldn't just be one place that kind of solves all the problems because we have families everywhere and we have kids everywhere and we have people who need to work everywhere. And, and we really need to activate the economy to be far more inclusive and, de- you know, democratic and um, not be so rigid in terms of, you know, the way we even think about, you know, women who are moms working at home, it's like, we don't even, that's so trivialized. And so, um, kind of not respected. And I'm really interested in reinventing the whole conversation around, um, not just work-life balance, but how we think about work and how we value it. And, um, but also teaching children about work, like, you know, because kids, I think a lot of children believe that work is something that steals their parents from them for, Mm -hmm. you know, eight or 10 hours a day. And it's this kind of (laughs) negative grinding sort of thing. And it's like, oh, I had a hard day at work, you know, and a lot of people do have hard days at work, but um, how much more joy and attachment and creativity and possibility could there be? Like, what if you could have your lunch with your kid every day? Right you know, and stuff like that. And anyways, I, that's, that's sort of, it's all a bit utopian, but there's a very real business plan that's coming out of this. And, um, and I'm hoping to have our first location chosen and under development by the end of 2019. So I'm excited. It's very exciting. I'm seeing a bit of a parallel with, uh, that moment when you started Lunapad. Like, I feel like the workplace is a bit sterile sometimes, you know, like you're not supposed to bring, like we only kind of recently started bringing pets to the workplace, right? Yeah. And it's kind of weird that we started bringing pets to the workplace before bringing kids to the workplace. <laughs> Don't, Don't you think? think? <laughs> with all due respect, like with all due respect to dogs, like yeah. come on, yeah, why not? Exactly. No, but, you raise a fantastic point. Yeah. So yeah, I think like it. So it's probably a very radical idea, but it's gonna be you know just a transition to something a bit more organic. You know, that something that feels a bit more close to our bodies, close to home, more natural. 
at the end of the day, right? I totally agree. Yeah, no, I think so too. And I think, you know, for me, like I sort of have these ideas that might seem kind of, actually all the ideas I ever have are really old, if you think about it. So the idea of washing your own menstrual pads, I mean, for goodness sake, like, you know, even Lilith probably <laughs> sewed their own menstrual pads, and, you know, whatever, wash them and so on. And and so, you know, that's that's a very old idea. And, and rites of passage, of course, are a super old idea. And, and this idea, you know, I, I think of, of children like this reimagining of children in the workplace, like if we think about a pre-industrial revolution um, society, most businesses were home-based. And so you did have, you know, one parent weaving and the other parent, you know, making horseshoes or whatever they were doing. And the children were just there and just yeah, part of it. Yeah. And it was integrated and children, you know, were carried on the backs or carried, you know, into the fields or whatever. And it wasn't a problem. It just was part of life. And, and it was much more natural as you say. And, uh, yeah, so that's in a way like what I'm, some people say, oh, you're, you're ahead of your time. And it's like, no, 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 that's not actually <laughs> true. Um, I'm kind of looking, I'm looking back and seeing what, what practices or wisdom there might've been that, um, might today be an antidote to how siloed and separated and polarized we are and how we can become more integrated as communities and as families and, you know, humanize the workplace and, um, make products that are better for our bodies and the environment. And, you know, it's all kind of, it's not rocket science. Like, mm -hmm. and, you know, as I mature, it really, for me, it's all, I'm not interested in screens. Like I just don't enjoy them. I just don't enjoy apps <laughs> and I don't enjoy anything really online or social media. Yeah. And, um, to me, it's all about the lived experience and, uh, just what that, what it feels like to be in community and what it feels like to be in relationship with people and mm -hmm. the types of things that can really only occur when we're actually physically together and, and connected to one another in really deep and honest ways. And then I think some really cool things happen. That is totally. such a lovely thought, I think, to end on. Uh, if there's anything else you'd like to share or, uh, if you have something going on you want people to know about. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, so the next G-Day, as I mentioned, is on April 29th. Um, it's taking place at the Nikkei Center in Burnaby. And uh, tickets will be on sale. You can check gday.world is our website, our URL. Um, and we'll have tickets launching any day now. Um, the other thing that we're doing, which is really exciting, is having a fundraiser for G-Day. And that's going to be on Saturday, May the 11th. And what we're doing for that is having an ungala as opposed to a gala. <laughs> and uh, we're getting together down at my friend uh, Denise's. She has this wonderful co-working space called The Pace in Railtown. And um, we're going to get together and actually smash plates against con a concrete wall um, for fun. And so the idea is you can kind of metaphorically, like, what would you like to smash? Like, would yeah. you like to smash, like, say, I don't know, what would you like to smash? Uh, Childcare fees. Childcare fees, great. <laughs> smash them. Let's smash them. Okay, yeah. great, great. Uh, Maria, what about you? What would you like to smash? Um, I think I would like to smash uh, the fact that we cannot bring families and kids to the workplace. Excellent. That's, uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and, and you know, some people might want to smash patriarchy or smash patriarchy. Um, gender with stereotypes or, or their ex. Or, I don't know. Anyways, you can just you can write it on a plate. And, and, and it's all for a good cause yeah. and, um, and smash it against the wall and we'll provide the safety glasses and you can wear whatever you want. And otherwise it'll just be kind of a, a party with a DJ and, and, you know, drinks and things. 
Um, but I, I was inspired by an event I heard about in Los Angeles that was like this. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do that so badly. <laughs> and um, as just this creative way of uh, expressing, like in a healthy way, like it's therapeutic, totally. right? Um, the, the rage and the anger and the frustration that I think we all feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a celebratory kind of way and, and kind of outing it, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of, you know, getting really, really mad in the car when you're driving or whatever, <laughs> um, you're actually like letting it out and people are celebrating it with you. So um, it's called Simply Smashing. And that's going to be tickets. Again, they're not on sale yet, but you can keep checking G-Day Social or the G-Day website. And uh, that'll be on Saturday, May 11th. And I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll have more G-Days coming later in the year in Victoria and Toronto. And um, just sign up to our newsletter. Thanks, Thanks, Thank Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Below the Radar. Thank you, Madeline, for coming on our show. Thanks to my fellow producers, Melissa Roach and Jamie Lee Gonzalez. And thank you, David Steele, for our theme music. Tune in next time. Bye.